us today and those joining us online. A loud good morning. <laughs> That's okay. Let us open uh, this time together in a word of prayer, please. Our glorious and merciful God and Father, in the name of thy Son we approach thy throne in prayer. And we thank thee, Lord, that we may approach thee, that we may have that boldness instead of that timidity, that we may have that boldness because in Christ Jesus there is now no condemnation that we may approach with that blessed boldness of those that have their sins forgiven and that can rest upon Christ and are covered in his righteousness. And we thank thee, our God, as we come and open up thy word and consider more of the fifth commandment as the Shorter Catechism teaches us, Lord, we do pray that thou would help us to understand. And so we pray, forgive our sins, cleanse us afresh, we pray. We thank thee for that blood that never loses its power to cleanse us for all eternity. And so, Lord, help us give those teachable spirits that we need, uh, give those hungry hearts, and give help in the teaching and the preaching of this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 21, please. Exodus 21. course Exodus 20 where we have the first time that the Ten Commandments are revealed to us or revealed to the people and then we have uh, chapter 21 and continuing many applications of those Ten Commandments to help us understand the, the fullness the richness uh, the broadness and the depth of the commandment and the various commandments so chapter 21 uh, of Exodus, and we'll just read a few verses from verse 12. Keeping in mind the fifth commandment that we will be examining. Exodus 21 and verse 12. He that smiteth a man so that he die shall be surely put to death. And if a man lie not in wait, but God deliver him into his hand, then I will appoint thee a place whither he shall flee. But if a man come presumptuously, presumptuously upon his neighbor to slay him with guile, thou shalt take him from mine altar, that he may die. And he that smiteth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. And he that stealeth a man and selleth him, or if he be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. And he that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Amen. Solemn words from uh, the law of Moses, applying the fifth and the sixth commandment there in various ways. But of course, it's especially verses 15 and 17 that we're considering the the severity, the, the, the fullness of the righteousness of the command, of the fifth command. And so, let us remind ourselves, because it's been a while since we've examined this, we're now into the third catechism question on the fifth commandment. Uh, last week was, uh, was looking at the, the historical and ecclesiastical 
and doctrinal background to the Shorter Catechism. And so we need to remind ourselves. So the question 63 of the Shorter Catechism says, uh, which is the fifth commandment? And then the answer is, the fifth commandment is, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. I trust that's a, a well-known piece of scripture. And then the following question and answer in the Shorter Catechism it tells us about the requirements of the commandment. So question 64 says, and as I said, we've already looked at these two, what is required in the fifth commandment? So we notice that the framers of the Shorter Catechism always start with the positive first. What is required as opposed to immediately what is forbidden? What is required in the fifth commandment? And the answer is, answer 64, the fifth commandment requireth the preserving the honor and performing the duties belonging to everyone in their several places and relations as superiors, inferiors, or equals. So we're reminded, therefore, in that question and answer that the fifth commandment is all about preserving the honor, a heartfelt honor, and we'll look at that again today, and, and, and keeping, keeping the duties, performing the duties, doing that which is owed to others because of the place that God has put them in the world, and whether they are above us, whether they are equal to us, whether they are below us in terms of authority and power and responsibility. And our own parents are explicitly mentioned in the fifth commandment because it's with them and it's towards them that we first learn how to, you could say, deal with authority figures. How we are to keep and apply that commandment, how we're to honor, and in the case of our parents, especially when we're uh, in our younger years, how we are to obey them. Uh, but that continues as we get older in, in respecting, respecting their counsel, respecting their position, and does not necessarily mean as adults, as independent adults living outside of home, uh, that we are to obey them in every matter. But the commandment doesn't say that. But the commandment says that we are to honor them. To honoring them and obeying them as children, we learn how to deal with authority, or we don't learn how to deal with authority. But that is the intention of the Lord, to put us into families that we would learn how to deal with an earthly father and it would help us to deal with a heavenly father. Question 65 then, which is what we're looking at today with the Lord's help, is, poses this question, what is forbidden in the fifth commandment? And then the answer is, the fifth commandment forbiddeth the neglecting of or doing anything against the honor and duty which belongeth to everyone in their several places and relations. So I'll repeat that. As usual, very compact, very precise language by the framers of the Catechism. The fifth commandment forbiddeth the neglecting of or doing anything against the honor and duty which belongeth to everyone in their several places and relations. So no, notice with me, it is to everyone, and we repeat that, that, that truth that's, that's expressed in the previous question that the several places and relations of everyone as superiors and inferiors or equals. 
because yeah it can be the case that we share equal power with someone and that's a different or responsibility and that's a different way than if somebody has responsibility over us or where we are in a position of power and authority and we have responsibility towards them so it's not just the duties of shall we say the citizen to the government it's the position of it's this it's the the responsibility in the performing of the duties of the government towards the citizenry as well as parents children children to parents etc children amongst each other etc so what is forbidden in the fifth commandment the fifth commandment forbiddeth the neglecting of or doing anything against the honor and duty which belongeth to everyone in the several places and relationships so he really they split up the framers of the shorter catechism split up the that which is forbidden in the fifth commandment into two matters passive and active passive and active passive matters and active matters what do I mean by that well you have the passive breaking of the commandment in, in the sense that you neglect to carry out the commandment you say well is there is no activeness in there there could be we could say it's a passive aggressive breaking of the commandment so the passive breaking, the neglecting to carry out the commandment, and then the active breaking of the commandment is rebelling against authority. That's the, that's the active breaking of the commandment, but they're both ultimately a breaking of a moral commandment, and therefore they're both acts of immorality. Immorality is the breaking of any of the moral commands, not just, as we might think, a breaking of the seventh commandment. For a breaking of any of the commandments is an act of immorality. So firstly, let's just look at, uh, of these two points then, the neglect of honor and duty. The neglect of honor and duty. And, and so neglecting to perform the fifth commandment to all that it should be uh, done towards, carried out towards, performed as the languages of the, the framers, it's not only an outright dishonoring of the parents and all those in, th in authority, because that would be more of an active aspect. It's more of the heart attitude. It's how it sits in the heart. It's the attitude of the heart. And if the attitude of the heart I I is, is bad, then the real breaking of the commandment within the heart, within the thoughts, within the attitudes, before it's even expressed on the outside. So you could perform the duty of the command on the outside. It could look all well and good on the outside, but there is no honor in the heart towards uh, that person. And when it comes to that sort of hypocritical observance of the command, and we know from uh, the teaching of Scripture in the New Testament, especially the Pharisees did this all the time, that there was a hypocritical and external observance, but there was no internal observance as well and that's what the Lord de de desires that we would do it from the heart that we would fulfill perform every command from the heart and, and what that actually does then when it's only on the outside and not on the inside it ultimately denies the authority of God and does not give him honor as we know through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 29 and verse 13 the Lord rebukes his people for this very thing it says wherefore the Lord said for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me but have removed their heart far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men and that is the case with every commandment of God it is to be done from the heart now does that mean that it's easier to do the commandment when it is from the heart yes of course because it's an expression of the will it's an expression of the desire that is within 
And what if you then find that a certain commandment or a certain application of the commandment that you can't do it from your heart? Well, you go to the Lord. You seek that help from the Lord because we are very imperfect. There is many, many aspects of life where we do it imperfectly. We don't do it from the heart. We don't obey the commandments. And yet we know that the Lord has told us to do so, so we go to the Lord. It is the Lord that can create in you a clean heart. That's what David did after his wicked sin, and he knew his heart was not right before God, yet he had a born-again soul. He was, a, he was a, a true believer in many other ways, a man after God's own heart, and yet he knew that his heart was not right. And so he prayed, and that's what we need to do. Because there'll be many times, many applications of many of the commandments where we know it's not in our heart to do so. We can easily put on the mask, but the heart is not right. And so create in me a clean heart, O God. We go to the Lord for that help. And that's what the Lord wants. The Lord wants it all done from the heart. He doesn't just want the external by any means. He wants the external expression of the command to, to come forth naturally from that heart. He says in Proverbs 23 and 26, My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. So the, the, the fullness of who we are is to be given to the Lord and in the context of keeping the fifth commandment. As I said, because it is all about authority, about the correct use of authority you may have and the, the, the correct duty, and in this case, the heartfelt attitude towards those who are in power over you. But when the keeping of the commandment is, is not done from the heart, as I said, it, it remains a social mask, a, a religious mask, and it's on the outside. And masks can be forgotten. If it's an expression of the heart, it's always going to be there. It's always going to come forth. But, but a mask, a social or a religious mask, can, can be forgotten. It can slip. And so it can be neglected. That's the, the, the word that we have here, the neglecting. The, the neglecting of the commandment. And so it's easily neglected when it's only a superficial act. It's not expression of a heart that has been made right by God before God because God says so. When uh, the prophet Samuel is sent out to find the king, a first king, um, he, 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 he goes out and he's looking at these various people and he's convinced that the, 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 eldest, uh, the eldest son was just outstandingly handsome and rugged and, and would be the ideal king. And then the Lord comes and rebukes him and says unto him in 1 Samuel 16 and 7, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. That's the one that Samuel thought, that must be the king. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And the, and the more we get that into our skulls, the more we get that into our hearts, the more we'll see that external observance on its own is, is literally a shell. There's a shallowness, there's a superficiality of it. And we might impress others, but we are not pleasing God. For the Lord looketh on the heart. And he is the highest authority. And we're dealing in the fifth commandment. We're considering authority and power and, and duty and, and honor. And so he, he looks and he sees the heart attitude of everyone. And let's just keep it then to government and citizen towards God-ordained authority. 
And it is very easy to neglect giving authority to those in power, especially when, humanly speaking, we would look at them and think, well, these people are not, are not good, they're not responsible, they're clowns, they're corrupt, and, and, and those descriptions in and of themselves are not necessarily dishonoring if they are a, a clear description, but it's how you bring it. And, and be careful with the language. It's too easy to neglect it. But then remember when the heart attitude is bad towards um, uh, human authority, then it's not right before God. We, we, know the, uh, we know the verse from 1 Peter 2.17 where he deals with this. And just in one verse he has uh, much of this doctrine uh, and the application of the fifth commandment in it. He says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. In fact, I could have supposed to just read that and then we could have left and had a cup of coffee and wait for the morning service. There's, there's enough in there of everything. So what is honor all men is to have a heartfelt honor to all men, whether they're superiors, inferiors, or equals. Honor. Honor comes from the heart, not from the lips. True honor. And then secondly, he says, love the brotherhood. So we have a genuine love towards our fellow Christian. Have a genuine love. Now, that's not always easy. And especially if we try to find the source of that love and that affection within ourselves. So what do we do? We go to the Lord. We go to the Lord and ask, Lord, thou hast said that we are to love our neighbor and we are to love our enemy. And I see both in the church. And yet thy love is an unconditional love. I, 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 can, hardly, I can hardly maintain a conditional love. And so we go to the source of all unconditional love, which is the Lord. Thirdly, then, Peter says about the loving fear of God, that we're to fear God. Not, not, not to have an angst of God because we are unrepentant sinners, but because we are his people and have been washed in the blood and covered in the righteousness of Christ, we can have a true loving fear of God. And then he finishes with that expression, honor the king. That is honoring all that are in authority over us. And then he just mentions uh, the highest in the land in a monarchy, which would be the king. So the neglect of honor and duty is the first thing that is forbidden in the fifth commandment. And the second matter, as the framers of the Shorter Catechism uh, bring forth, is rebellion against honor and duty. Rebellion against honor and duty. And so their language is... The fifth commandment forbiddeth the neglecting of, which is looked at, or doing anything against, see that, that the active aspect, the rebellion against the honor and the duty which belongeth to everyone in the several places and relations. An active breaking of the commandment. Well, what is it then if we're going to consider rebelling against the honor and duty which belongs to everyone? Or what is that? An active rebellion. Well, it's to commit those sins which are the very opposite of those duties that have been laid upon us in the Scriptures. It's the very opposite, the breaking of doing those actively not performing the duties is maybe an easier way of saying it. Paul, he describes the unbelieving and disobedient Jew in Romans 2. And in verse 22 he says this, he says, Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery. Dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? 
And all breaking of the fifth commandment is, is, is a rebellion against authority. It is a, and as a, as a rebellion against authority, it is also a rebellion against God, as Romans 13 in the first few verses teach. Of course, that doesn't mean that we're to passively accept the abuse of authority. Neither does Romans 13 teach a blind obedience to all human authority, albeit God-ordained. It prescribes and describes the correct attitude of the believer towards the God-ordained authority, but it also goes on to describe the duty of the God-ordained authority to, uh, well, to everyone under their authority. We could specifically say the believer, but it's to everybody. So we're not to passively accept the abuse of authority by those in power. Uh, on the contrary, there are many ways by God's providence that are built into various nations, and especially into our own, uh, that we can make a, a complaint against, that we can try to remedy in some legal and lawful way. And therefore, we have a duty. It's, it's also the duty of the citizenry uh, where, where things are at fault, where the law uh, makers are becoming law breakers, is, is to bring that to make sure that they keep the laws that they make. And so I would say that civil rights are maintained, ecclesiastical rights are maintained. But in so doing, we're not to rebel against them. And I've added the word need needlessly. Of course, if you're a covenanter in Scotland and you've got some, uh, some, members of the, uh, some members of the armed forces coming towards you and about to kill you and your, and your family, self-defense is also preventing them from breaking uh, the commandment, thou shalt not uh, kill. So when I say needlessly, I'm saying there are extremes, of course. John Knox speaks about it. That it's right for the, for the people to rise up against their king who is killing them because he is not to kill them. Thou shalt not kill is, uh, is also for him to maintain and to keep. But we're not to rebel against them needlessly. What if, what if there's a, a decision of the session that you don't agree with? Well, the attitude is the same, is that you, 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 you obey what the session says. But you have the right, especially as a member, to, to have a protest, to make a protest, say, I don't agree, please put this in, uh, bring this into the meeting, and so it'll be in the session minutes, and discuss it once again, for example. And then we have the recourse to the presbytery as well, if, that doesn't, if that's not successful. And Presbytery might then uh, put a commission together uh, with a fresh, uh, neutral pair of eyes uh, and to look at the situation again. But because we disagree is no, is no um, matter of rebellion. I might not agree with, with, with Mernenshi's bringing in of a 40 kilometer an hour speed limit all around the little side, side roads and neighborhoods of, of, uh, of Calgary. And yet, because I disagree, does not give me the right to then start driving at 50 or 60 in those roads. It doesn't. And if we want to see that changed, uh, then there are ways and means of having those laws rescinded or changed. So, in, in so doing, in making, in, in seeing something wrong, uh, where we see that the lawmakers are becoming lawbreakers, as I said, we're not to... We're not to rebel against them, but also not to dishonor them. We're not to dishonor them. We are to maintain that honor and continue to perform our duties towards them as law-abiding Christians. 
And we're not to, not, to, not to envy them, not to envy those in power. We're not to be contemptuous of them. And that is so easy. Some people, some people in authority are, are so easy for us to, to hold in contempt because of their behavior, because of what they say. They, they publicly lie and deceive and, and whatever. But that's not how the Lord would have us. It's how our flesh would react. But it's not how the Lord would have us to be contemptuous of them rebel against their personal dignity or even against the office. So rebellion against honor and against duties, as I've said, it's not just towards those who are under authority, but it's towards those who are in authority. It's towards those who are in authority. And those in authority are therefore not to command things that are unlawful or immoral. They're not to make laws um, that are difficult for those under their power to maintain. I mean, if we just give a very modern example, the carbon tax. The carbon tax is, is, is hitting every family hard. Uh, bills are, bills are uh, you know, what, what you would normally pay in the middle of winter, you're now paying in, in the middle of summer with all these extra uh, taxes and especially that carbon tax being put upon people. That is a, an unrighteous law. It's a draconian law laid upon the people. And the fifth commandment would say that the government should not put that on the people. But of course, it's not a, it's, 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 of course, it's all part of the ideology. And also, the government is not to counsel or encourage uh, other immorality in any way, shape, or form. Of course, we see that. We see that's been happening for many decades now, uh, and it's getting worse and worse with the full-scale promotion of sodomy and all its attendant uh, wickednesses and perversions all being brought forward and they're targeting the children at the very moment. And that will get worse, I can assure you, if the Lord does not uh, bring a great change in society. So they're not to do these things. They're not to be outwardly against uh, that which is moral and correct and upright, but we do see that they are, and that's the rebuke that they have in Romans uh, 13 and verse 3. And that's what the Apostle Paul indicates. He promotes godly obedience to human authority, but, but, but also makes clear God's righteous expectation of human government. Now, I've mentioned Romans 13 a few times. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. So we could open that up a little bit more and, and see. But, but we know that there are rulers who are a terror to good works. And that's why we understand that this, this is a description, or a, we could say a prescription, of that which should be done by authority. And if we consider the very core then of the commandment, of the fifth commandment, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, it is, the very core of it is the attitude and the behavior of children towards their parents, both parents. And we've seen, as we've read from Exodus 21 in the law of Moses, how serious, how literally deadly serious the Lord is regarding rebellious children. And we might say, is, is this applicable to children? Yes, it is applicable to children, specifically to adult children. So the attitude of adult children doesn't change if you're 18 and you leave home and never return into, into your mother and father's house. 
Yeah, we are to honor them, we are to obey them, and I touched upon this in the introduction. But there is to be an honoring still. And not necessarily in obedience because you've become your own man and as you become married, you, you, you commence your own family and you have, have a, a different relationship then with your parents, but the honoring remains. So it continues on into adulthood, although the strict obedience would not necessarily be the case. And so the breaking of the fifth commandment then that we see, and we've seen in verse, uh, um, verses 15 and 17 of chapter 21 of Exodus, is a serious matter. It's, it's a gross immorality. And what did it do? It, it brought a, a righteous and harsh, and not overly harsh, righteous and severe is a better word, a righteous and severe punishment upon the offender. And the punishment that the law of Moses inflicts upon children, even adult children, specifically adult children, I would say, for smiting, for hitting, attacking, violently attacking, or cursing their parents. So we're thinking of verbal abuse and physical abuse towards their parents. And, and, and it receives the death penalty. There's no mercy shown. And he that smiteth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. Because when we understand that, well, these are adults now. This is not a two-year-old having a tantrum and, 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 and bashing their fists against their mother's, uh, mother's uh, uh, um, chest or anything. Th this is an adult. And you can consider then as the, as the parents become older and, uh, and, and more fragile and more frail, that, that, that such a smiting, physical smiting, um, could seriously destroy and harm them. But it's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's the abuse, it's the cursing as well that you would, you would wish uh, harm upon your parents and using foul language not necessarily in, in, included in this, but it is that, that cursing language against them. And again, so it's the death penalty, the death penalty for, uh, for, for smiting and a death penalty for cursing father or mother. And such as punishment was also so severe, not only because the, the parents could be vulnerable as they're getting older, but because it's directly opposite to the light and the law of nature. The offspring should not do this to those that have brought them forth. It is just wrong. Even cultures that are darkened by paganism understand the, the, the respect and the honor there is to be to those that have gone before you. Yes, okay, and many of them take it to an extreme and, and you have things like ancestor worship and, and, and whatever. But understanding the respect and the honor that's due to those. Now, your mother, for example, most, childbirth is a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a dangerous thing for mother and child. And your mother goes through these things to bring a new life into the world and by God's gracious blessing, survives giving birth, and, and then looks after that child. That child is literally held close to her heart, and not just for the, for, the, for the months of nursing, or the years of nursing, but for the rest of her life. And the father is there to, to provide, to protect, and to love, because he's also to provide and protect, provide love and protect the heart of the child. But we see how so unnatural it is. It's unnatural to break the fifth commandment for the child. 
even as a, a young child, they are to love and to respect and honor and obey their parents, but as the child grows up, even to continue to do so. Even when that, even when that relationship has been broken, or maybe it was never very good, but even when that relationship has become broken and it may be difficult to maintain, the, the heart attitude is to be correct and therefore the ability to do good for them is to be done. So the mom and dad, they've, they've cared for you, they've loved you, they've, they've given up money, time, sleep, uh, so many things they've given. And so breaking of the commandment, especially by an adult that should know better, should understand, is able to look back over 18, 20, 50 years, however many it may be, since their parents were actively and daily looking after them. And you're looking back and then you, and then you would desire to smite them or to curse them. It's just a depth of wicked and sinful ingratitude. Just simple as that. I know, I know politeness these days is not, is, not, is not very well taught or maintained, but when I was growing up, you would always say please and thank you. If you wanted something from someone, you would ask them nightly, n nicely. You wouldn't say, I want a drink. You'd say, may I have a drink, please? And then when you received it, the first thing you said was thank you very much, always. And so just, just basic gratitude demands uh, that we're, we're grateful for all that our parents have done for us. But we see that the deep ingratitude, but then it moves on in, in, in Exodus 21 to talk about verbal and physical violence. It's, it's a rebellious, hateful, murderous attitude in the, in the heart, and it is a, it's, an, it's an evidence it's an evidence of an incur incurable disobedience and rebellion. And so the Lord desires that it be removed and rooted out of society. And so it will be removed and rooted out of society, we see in the command there, that they will die, shall be surely put to death. He that smiteth his father or mother, curseth his father or his mother, shall surely be put to death. Because wickedness like that, and you'll see it, of course, you'll know it in your own experience if you have children, that your children will come in and say, you know, oh, Johnny's allowed to have an ice cream, uh, why can't we? The ice cream van's outside. And, oh, can't we? Uh, or, or Johnny's allowed to talk back to his parents. Or, jo or Johnny uh, 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 gets his, you know, he broke that window, but he's still got his pocket money or whatever. So all these bad examples the children would like to bring into the house and say, and, and, and would want their parents to be, I would say, just as equally unrighteous as the parents next door or wherever they are. But that principle continues in the whole of society, even when they grow up. Wickedness sows seeds of wickedness. Rebellion sows seeds of rebellion. See how the world was in the 1960s, the great contrast between the 1940s and the 1960s. Not the 1940s was a, was a great and righteous world. It was just slightly less corrupt than the 1960s. But in the 60s, we see whole-scale breaking of the Fifth Commandment which leads to a whole-scale breaking of the Seventh Commandment, which in turn has led to a whole-scale uh, breaking of the Sixth Commandment. What do I mean? So the rebelling against parents and parental authority, uh, then we have the, the, what they call the sexual revolution, and what comes forth from the sexual revolution? The murder of the unborn. So just that simple link, and, and it breaks forth and it infects society and it has gone from one society to another. And, and in Canada, it's gone from one province to another and it's spread everywhere. And so the Lord knows that these sort of things need to be rooted out. 
they need to be discouraged. And that was the, always the idea of the death penalty. If you were to, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't attack a man with, with, with a weapon. You might have fisticuffs to sort out an argument, but you wouldn't go at him with a weapon and you wouldn't do your best to kill him because you knew that you would be on the gallows. But nowadays that's not the case by any means. But that's what the death penalty does. It discourages people from breaking uh, these laws. And that's why the righteousness, righteousness of this punishment and the righteousness of this command, which includes this punishment that we see in, in Exodus 21, as again, applying the Ten Commandments that we have in Exodus 20, it's clearly approved by the Lord. The Lord himself says so. As he speaks in Matthew 15 and verse 4, he says, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. So, if we're going to be confused with, with, with the wrong dispensational thoughts about the Old and the New Testament, yes, that was part of a civil law, but that civil law came forth from the moral law, and so the moral principles remain in honoring the father and mother. I'm not then suggesting that we need to have those civil laws on, on the law books of 21st century Canada. I'm not s saying that. That's a completely different issue. Well, what I am saying is we see that the Lord himself, as he's uh, preaching and teaching about the keeping of the fifth commandment, brings in chapter 21 and the application of it. In fact, in Mark's gospel, in chapter 7, he goes on to rebuke the twisting of the fifth commandment by the Jewish religious authorities. Mark 7, verses 10 to 13, is a bit of a, a, a passage, but I'll, I'll read it quickly. We know it. We, we've, we've preached from this verse already, I believe. Uh, For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother. This is Christ's teaching. And whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift, a gift to the temple, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. And that's, that's again bringing us back to what we were considering, the abuse of those in authority of authority. And we, 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 we quickly applied it to modern governments where they, they are encouraging and putting on the law books um, and the promotion of uh, immorality, gross immorality. But that's what they were doing in those days. The Sanhedrin, uh, maybe it, didn't come, it would have come from the Sanhedrin and, and from the scribes and the Pharisees and the, especially the Sadducees who were members of the Sanhedrin. They were abusing their power. They were encouraging those under their authority to do that which was immoral, to break the fifth commandment. It suited them. It suited them because they were in on the financial racket that was included in the, in the temple. I won't go into details now. And so the breaking of the fifth commandment was by not honoring or performing the duties that was owed to their parents. They could merely get that sum of money. They could dedicate it as a, as a, as a, as a gift to the temple. And then years later, when it suited them, they could, it was like a pawn shop. They could go back and, 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 and then take the, much of that money away. And maybe it was so wicked as a son had done well. His parents were in need. He, puts a, a, he invests, as it were. He puts a huge chunk of money in the temple for safekeeping while his parents are in need and they barely get by and they die. And then he goes to the temple and takes it back 
back again and lives in luxury. And he has not cared for those that cared for him. He has, he has not honored those that loved him. And so the Lord does not condemn he that curseth father or mother, let him die. In fact, we see he mentions it twice, two different contexts. Now, the children, if we just consider the children, are to have the honor and perform the duties owed to their parents. And as we get older, of course, that changes. Uh, but we still to have that honoring heart towards our parents and, by extension, towards earthly authority and, in truth, then, to the heavenly authority, uh, to our heavenly uh, God and Father. So the command, or the question, I should say, that describes the forbidding of the command. What is forbidden in the fifth commandment? As we come to a close, the answer, the fifth commandment forbiddeth the neglecting of or doing anything against the honor and duty which belongeth to everyone in their several places and relations. As we close now, are there any questions upon what we've considered this morning? Yes. So we've related um, the commandment to the, that we must obey those in authority. And you also brought in the fact that they, they had a certain duty to those under their authority. Uh-huh. The, the uh, what of the children? Like the, the obligation, the duty of children to obey their fathers. Yes, yeah, so you're talking about the beginning of chapter 6. Yeah, that's the same. And then he moves on to, uh, to slaves or servants. Yeah, it's the same attitude to those in authority. That doesn't give, just because someone's under your authority, it doesn't give you the right to abuse them. But when you're under the authority, you're to do your best to honor them. And in the case of the children to obey, well, in the case of, of a servant or a, or a slave, they are also to to obey their master in all things and, and do it for the Lord. That's what children need to do, is to, is to, is to obey their parents. And it actually says, uh, in, in the Lord. Um, so, uh, as we know the fear of God and we, we have that love towards God, that even when our parents are asking us to do the washing up again or doing something that we don't like doing, but we'll do it anyway, because we'll nudge our own heart as God helps uh, to make it a heartfelt obedience. Yeah, yeah absolutely, that's... That's the very core of it. If there are no more questions, we'll close in prayer. Lord, we do thank Thee, our Heavenly Father, that Thy Word teaches us not to have an external religion like the Pharisees, but to have a heartfelt attitude, to give our hearts to Thee. Thou wilt have our heart, and that our hearts would be Thine, and therefore what would come from that heart the duties that are performed uh, would be according to thy own will and pleasing to thee. Lord, thou knowest the difficulties that we may have as parents or even as children or when we were children or even now as adults, but uh, under, uh, 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 not under the authority of our parents, but still having that honor towards them. Uh, Lord, we do pray uh, that that would help us and not just to our blood parents, but also to those who have authority in the world. And Lord, and when there are governments and authorities that are so against thee and thy people, it is a greater challenge when we come to thee uh, for thy help, for grace to be granted. Lord, that thy spirit will be given to us, that we be sanctified even in these attitudes, even in these regards, not that we would accept uh, passively 
the abuse of authority, but Lord, that we would see uh, the ways that thou has provided, that we may make that, uh, make that complaint known and, and even have the changing of these things. And also especially, most especially, spend time in prayer that thou would be pleased to, to change the hearts of many, to send that revival and reformation in society. And that's what we pray for, Lord. That thou would send revival, reformation, great awakenings, Lord, that society would be salted once again. Lord, that many would call upon Christ, that his name, his sweet name would be heard on the streets, uh, not as a curse word, but as a word of praise. Lord, hear us, we pray. Bless thy word to us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.